Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Leah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're on the show. I know uh, we're shooting the shit a little bit before we hit record, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to get into. So uh, let's get the party started. So uh, why don't you tell us uh, what you do for a living and one thing that most people don't know about you? Sure. So Leah Bliss, right? A lot of people tell me how great my last name is. So now I work for a company called Bliss Point, which makes, I mean, you can't not use the last name. So I work for a company and I hit this very fun intersection of like mindset mastery when it comes to sales technologies online. So I teach salespeople how to use LinkedIn. So that is, yeah, it's, I know it sounds boring, but I get really nerdy about it. And then one thing people don't know about me, it's always a shock to my friends when they find out that I studied opera performance in college. Okay. It, it, it's shocking to most people. <laughs> yeah. And I barely know you. So uh, why don't you go ahead and indulge us? Share. How did you get into that? Why did you get out of it? Are you an opera singer? So many questions. So many things. Um, no. So I grew up in a really small town in Utah and there was nothing else to do. And... My mom was like, hey, you're a pretty good singer. Like, you sing in choir. We should get you opera lessons. And I was like, okay. And then I just was really good at it. And I was really the kind of person back then who didn't know how to set goals and didn't have really good goals. I spent probably way too much of my life just, like, floating. And that was kind of a direction that worked out. Went to university for it. Um, I had absolutely no, like, self sense of like self-preservation in college. So I immediately just stopped going to class because I was like, woo, I can do whatever I want. And uh, so, yeah, so I obviously dropped out of college pretty quick. But the time that I was there, I was studying opera. So that was fun. So were you actually studying or was it more or less figuring out how to make new drinks with plastic bottled alcohol? I, you know, less of that. I didn't really start drinking heavily until after I had my kid, which was like 25. So I didn't start partying that way until way past. So yeah, 25. So no, it was more of like, because I grew up really, um, like really, really sheltered. We weren't allowed, to, you know, crazy curfew, super strict dress code. So it was more just about the boys. I just got to be out of the house and kind of, I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be fun. And then never went to class again. Fair enough. And you've said that you have a kid. So uh, I have a kid. Weird. Weird that like. She got a gift out of all that. Being a sexual deviant for so many years causes you to get knocked up at least once. Yeah, I, I guess that's how that works, you know? I think it's the law of statistics. Yeah, exactly. Well, so being being in school to go to, um, go into opera or anything of the sort it kind of seems like a side note to your just floating through life where I think a lot of people 
early on in life just kind of float through. There are those kids that are in school that are like, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be this thing and I'm going to do this. And then there are the ones that are like, I'm going to play football for the rest of my life. And like, that's all they do. Oh my God. I fucking dated that dude. No. Or the people that are like, yeah. <laughs> or the people that are like, well, my parents are doctors or my parents do this thing and I'm going to go do that same thing. Yes. And I was the opposite. And there are still those people that don't know what the fuck to do because they're like later on in life where they go, oh shit, I spent all this money to go to college to become a doctor and I don't want to do it. And I hate being a doctor. Yeah. And they spent all that time. I think, I think there's two camps there. I think on the one hand, you've got people that are like, fuck the system. I don't need to choose. And they're just kind of like a rebel without a cause kind of thing. And then on the other hand, you've got the super pleasers that are like, well, I know that I need to go to college, then I need to do this. And they have this like lifetime checklist that was written by someone else that they just feel like incredibly motivated to fill out. So I was definitely in the first half of those people without a cause. Well, when you look back at that and you can see the two different camps, I think we can also see why we do that because we're looking for that sense of meaning. We're looking for something. And even the people, cause I was of that same camp when I was younger where I was like, you know, fuck it, fuck you people, fuck that guy, fuck that person, fuck these people. You're all right, fuck you. Because I was hurt. Yeah, fuck you, I'm out, like that sort of deal. Um, I mean, there were, there were pieces of it, of like a uh, school that mattered because I mattered to those situations and those things like art, music, etc. But for the most part, I think a lot of kids and even people that are in their 20s that are still trying to figure out what the fuck they want to do. I've got friends in their 30s and their late 30s are like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And some of them are super successful where they're still trying to figure it out. So how are you managing your mindset now thinking that all that stuff that you went through and not fucking dragging yourself back and go, man, I was aimless for years. Like, how do you manage your mindset right now? Yeah, that's rough because I often think back because now like I have a kid, I have a job. And even if we rewind like five years ago, I was like working two jobs, moonlighting at a strip club as a waitress, like had a kid, all these things. And it, in that moment when I was just like in the grind, I would think back to before I had kid, before I had to do all this, I was like, what the fuck did I do all the time? And you can't help but, yeah, get into this mindset of being like, wow, I squandered my youth. I have wasted all my time. But I think the biggest thing that helped me was this sense of like, well, everything is your fault for one. Like, And once you can kind of get around that like, radical honesty and just a sense of like ownership. Okay. Everything in my life, I made a choice to, right? You think about that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? George Bailey. And it's like, oh, cool. Every decision that you made brought you to this point. You didn't just wake up one day and oops, I tripped and fell into this terrible lifestyle. <sighs> Poor me. It's like, oh man, I've made every decision up into this point. But if you can take radical accountability for those choices and get really, really honest with yourself, you can say, yeah, I made these choices, but now I have the option to make a different choice. And in the same way that I've put myself in this place, I can make a series of 
decisions, small daily decisions to get myself to a different place. Think of the succinct awareness that you just put out there. And that makes total fucking sense. Like you and I are on the same page with that. But for somebody in that shitty spot to go, hmm, hold up a second. Maybe if I become aware of my problems and I do something different with it, and then I incrementally focus on these things, I can change things. That's a fucking ton to ask somebody that's in that situation. Yes, yes, it is. Because yeah, it's it's like, what's the phrase? Boil the ocean? You're like, how how am I supposed to do that? Yeah, it's too big and daunting, it feels. Yes, it is daunting, but... But I also think that we actually can't see that far ahead. Like you can only see about the next three years of your life in your imagination. And so like you're not going to take yourself from whatever shithole you're in right now to, you know, climbing Everest or, you know, living in the Middle East with bajillionaires poolside and tigers on a gold leash, right? All that bullshit. That's not a three-year jump, that's like maybe a 10 year jump, but you can't, you, you're limited by your scope of the imagination. And so all you have to do is imagine yourself like 1% better and then make the inter incremental changes to get there. Cause, and then what's 1% better than that? Okay, cool. Maybe if I don't go negative on my bank account this month, like there's a win. Cool. Right, if I don't have to pay any overdraft fees this month. I remember that was my reality. Oh man, yeah. How many times you get hit? You're like, another 35 fucking dollars. Like I have no money. Stop taking money, give me money. Perpetuating the issue. I remember when I was working at the bar, I I don't even know why I had to borrow $1,000 from my 10 years younger sister, which talk about a hit to the ego. Like, oof, hey, I can't pay my bills, lol sis, can you help a girl out? And then I had to pay that back in a certain allotted time. And just literally every day, like counting my ones, like, oh, and then stashing them in a drawer, like some sort of weird drug dealer. And then counting every day, like, okay, can I get $2,000? Can I get $2,000? How am I going to get there? It's like, well, one, $1 at a time is how you get there. Just like one step at a time, just like 1% at a time. That's a difficult pill for people to swallow, um, especially when, when they're in that feeling that I think you and I both experienced. And I'm sure there are many, many listeners that experience the same shit where they're like, man, I squandered time. I squandered life. I squandered this whole period of time in a relationship or this whole period of time in a business or this whole period of time throughout fucking school or college or whatever. I think for the most part, we want to just beat ourselves up a little bit about that because we don't know what the actual meaning was. We're not sure what that lesson was from it. Because when you look back and you see the lesson, you go, man, if I hadn't gone through that, I'd probably be in a worse spot. Yeah. So is there a moment when you can look back and go, geez, that was one of those moments that really changed me and I kind of pivoted. If you ask my dad, who I work with, he says that it's, that it's like this weird intangible moment. He could tell you the like day of demarcation that I turn around and make my life different. I have no memory of this time. I don't know what happened, but. All right, let's get your dad. Where's he at? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, God, where is he? But honestly, when I started making changes to, was when, so I went to hair school because I got married super young and it was really terrible. And 
I was like, I don't have any skills. I don't have anything going for me. I'm going to go to hair school. So I was like 20 in hair school, right? That kid. And a girlfriend of mine who I went to hair school with, she ended up doing hair for a long time. And then one day I'm getting my hair done. She's like, I'm going to go back to school and become a computer programmer. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. Why in God's name would you do that? That sounds awful. Jesus. It's like, and who's going to do my hair? I hate you. But it got me thinking because she had just gone through a divorce. So maybe it wasn't even my low moment. It was like reflective of somebody else. She had just gotten divorced. She was changing careers because she wanted to have something long-term, right? 401k, retirement, benefits packages, all these things. And then it caused me to pause and look around and be like, yeah, what am I doing for the rest of my life? How am I going to retire? How am I going to keep, like, I can't keep living this way. And I saw myself in 20, 30 years still wishing and hoping that I don't hit negative in my bank account and thinking how awful that was going to feel and then decided, okay, let's, let's do something else. And then just, and, and it was not an overnight thing. It probably took me two or three more years before I got to the point where I am now. But this, like, I don't know, existential crisis, this haunting future self, my future self, right? Ghost of Christmas future came to haunt me and was like, this is how you're going to end up. And it's going to suck because it sucks now and nothing's going to change. I, I wish I could say that everybody that has that thought acts on it and that they do something with it. But I don't think that's fucking true. I mean, the the diner lady keeps coming into mind. And anybody that listens to this, if you work in a diner, I love you, but this this isn't for you specifically. It's that lady that has been there for 50 plus years and just bitches and complains about the same thing over and over. All day long, every day. Yeah. Well, I always say you can't complain about things you do to yourself. That, if nothing else, take that. You can't complain about things you do to yourself. So 90% of complaints just cease to exist at that point. Yes. Everything is your fault and you can't complain about it. Uh, that's an interesting point about everything's your fault because you said that a couple times now. Uh, so I, I run a, a men's group on Facebook. It's like 15,000 men. So I always expect to get crazy fucking answers from some of these people when I post a question. And one of the questions I posted recently was, do you feel that things happen to us or for us? I got a wild amount of answers. But what do you think? Do you think things happen to or for us? I think for. I am one of those people that thinks that the universe is always conspiring in my favor. And maybe it, I was born with like an elevated or superhero level of like self-importance. But I think, like I, want, I operate through the world that way. Like I am the main character. I am the star. Everything is happening for me. But it's that's such an interesting idea because the people who think, and this is the Church of Leah speaking, the people who think that life happens to us are people who are complacent. And people who think life happens for us are people who are curious. And as soon as you can get curious and ask yourself, not why did that happen to me, but what about this is about to benefit me, even if it's something terrible. How, where's the adventure in this? Go find out, like, 
if, if you're in a choose your own adventure story, figure out why this weird plot twist happened and how that's going to push your character development and the storyline forward. Man, so think people, it's an RPG. That's what this is. <laughs> it's all this is. That's, I mean, what else is it? What else is it? Yeah, uh, great point. <clears throat> we sometimes get lost in just the day-to-day and get caught up in the bullshit and bitch complain and all of that because of the people around us and those things. But if we pull out from that and look, then it really is a mindset shift of, you're right, those people that are complacent where they go, no, this thing happened to me. And that's a whole, like a, a pointed kind of aspect where if something happens for you, you get to be able to take that. Uh, you're actually the second person that has brought up the church of yourself uh, over the first 30 some episodes so far. <clears throat> so I appreciate that you brought that up because I think it's an interesting point that we, uh, we are all our own focal point. And sometimes we forget that. There are some people that are complete narcissists that never forget that. Uh, and there's a balance, you know, there's a balance where you got to kind of love on and uh, other people and all, but you need to kind of love on yourself too. So when you saw that whole th sort of uh, future version of you come in from somebody else's story, that's a beautiful thing because a lot of people have a hard time actually taking somebody's story where they go, yeah, I got to figure this out on my own. Like I need to go break my legs to figure out that, oh, you can't do that thing. But you actually took that and spun it and then started to make the changes. So tell us a bit about what the next two years, three years, like looking back on that now, what did that look like? Like what were some of those changes you made? So one of those things was the patience to let it happen. Patience is a four letter word. <laughs> it's the worst. Like I got this girlfriend and I think in retrospect, this is kind of my mindset. She came to me and was like, hey, Leah, I just started this like mindset coaching business you know i really feel like this is my calling i really feel super aligned in it and i'm just really discouraged because i just don't feel like i'm being successful and i was like okay well tell me about it she's like well i've been doing it for six weeks and i just yeah i fell over and i wanted to just slap her but we were actually in person and that probably would have been inappropriate but it's like bitch six weeks give me six years like no no one will find success in the first six weeks, not a single soul. But for me, it, it was a matter. I, I believe you have, you can't do it alone. You have to hire someone in every single thing that I do. I have a fitness trainer that I pay. I have a financial advisor that I pay. You can't get to big goals unless you hire someone who's been there and is willing to coach you through the rough moments. So I hired a mindset coach and at the time, I thought I was going to have like this, I was going to do like one-on-one -on -one mindset coaching and I was going to help like women who'd been through trauma and I'd had this all built up in my mind. And so I went through the coaching with her and that started, it was a three-month program that I started October of 2019. And so October, November, December, great. I started putting out a ton of content online. I was making videos. I was doing all of these things while simultaneously still working two jobs and being a parent. This wasn't like I quit all my jobs and everything magically aligned. No, I was working like 60 hours a week, plus trying to side hustle my own company. And then, hooray, the pandemic, hooray. But 
what was interesting is that I had, so I could, I was working at the mall at the time. Couldn't work at the mall, couldn't work at the bar. Those things had closed. All of a sudden I was at home with the one thing that I kept telling myself that I wanted more of. Oh, if only I had more time. If I only had more time. Well, guess what, bitch? You got all the time in the world. <laughs> Sat around and for three months, I made videos every single day. Uploaded these like six minute YouTube videos just about mindset stuff. And it was dinky and it, I look back and the cringe, the cringe is so bad. I look at those videos and like, that's embarrassing. Never, never should you have ever done that, weirdo. But I got a phone call about three months into it and somebody in my life had seen those videos and more importantly had seen the consistency that I was bringing to it and said, hey, this person's got a a soft skill that I think we can use. And so through kind of the telephone game, I get a call from my dad who had just started his own company after battling his own mindset demons for 50 years. And he said, hey, so it's, it's I don't know what's more embarrassing that I'm going to ask you this or that I didn't think to ask you before but I need you to come and work for me because I'm overwhelmed with work and I'm not going to ask any of your other four sisters because it's a very specific skill set that I need you to have that you have. Can you come do this for me? And it was like maybe five hours a week. It's nothing crazy, but it's a big risk. Help your old dad out. I was like, okay, sure, I'll do that. And I said yes to something that I it wasn't necessarily aligned with what I thought I wanted out of my life. But I think the best way to go about it is to kind of pick the things that you care about and then like don't give a shit about the things that you don't care about. Because at that point, all I wanted was a job where I could choose my own hours, work from home, and be creative. And that was it for the requirements. And so that was served to me on a silver platter by the universe because I'm the main character. I got it. And then all of the other things, like I had to study the data from the LinkedIn algorithm research report every year. Talk about some dry ass reading. Terrible. But yada, yada, yada. You work hard. You keep inserting yourself. That whole lean in thing. Did some of that. And now my life is great. I work like 30 hours a week. I make a shit ton of money and I sit at home and get on podcasts. What a beautiful thing. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that uh, the the biggest nugget that I got out of what you had said was the being able to allow yourself to just keep moving and pivot on things. Because some people do the things that you do where they're like, all right, I signed up for this thing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this course. They're going to teach me how to do this. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do all this shit. And they go, oh, I've done all these things. Why the fuck don't I see any success? And some of that's a couple months in. Some of that might be a couple years, depending on the person. Um, but some of that is really on you to then go, well, what opportunities are being shown to me? Because some of them just may not be fully visible to you. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be like the exact thing or nothing else. It can be 80%. I like to think of it like if you have your goal in the distance and it's kind of a loose goal, like I want to generally be happy, make a bunch of money, 
maybe travel, like whatever that is to you, like figure out what that is and then just start moving towards it in any means necessary. Making sure that the the opportunities that you're taking are leading you closer to that, even if it's not a direct path, it's in the general direction of your goals. That's still good. Yeah. I, I think there are people that um, that need to plan and that's like their jam in life. Then there are other people that hate it. They don't want to plan at all. But I think this can still work for both sets of people because just moving, continuously moving and seeking the next thing. I mean, if you really think about the iterations you have throughout the day, just in what you're doing, even if you go, huh, well, I need to change this differently. We do it all day, every day, but sometimes we look at some of the bigger things and go, well, holy fuck, that's such a giant project that I don't wanna. And they just stop themselves. Yeah, I'm immediately tired. Yeah, so how do you, how do you get yourself through that? And what sort of advice would you give somebody to be able to get themselves through that? Um, I think you have to take equal opportunity to look at the big picture and then put your head down. I think that if you are too much of either of those things, you get into trouble. Hmm. Balance. Balance. Yeah. Because if you are only looking at the big picture, like I, I want to make a million dollars. And then you just are like, how, where do I start? And that's all you can focus on. That's going to be too hard. But if you keep your head down and you just are grinding, grinding, grinding and never look up, you may have accidentally slow walked yourself right off your path. And so, I mean, like you said, in the day-to-day, like in my day-to-day, I, I know kind of what the overall goal for the company is, but then I have daily tasks. Okay, what do I need to get done today that's going to get me closer to the goal? And how to figure that out. I mean, there's the whole Jerry Seinfeld effect that I love. I don't know if you've heard of that, right? The joke a day? Yeah. What, well, yeah, just one a day. As long as you are doing it, you don't break, then you're only, so for those that don't know, Jerry Seinfeld has a goal of writing every single day. You got to write at least one joke a day. And once he's done that, he crosses it off on his calendar. And then it's not so much that, oh, I have to write today. It's my only goal is to not break the chain. I've done it every single day up until now, and I'm not going to let myself break the chain. And so I think that success begets momentum. Like you might feel motivated, but then you have to actually have a small nugget of success for you to be motivated to keep going to the next part. And so finding like reasons to celebrate, hey, look, I wrote down my to-do list. Write to-do list, check. Do to-do list, uh-uh. But yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, have you read the book, Atomic Habits? Yes, many times. Yeah, I love that. Power of Habit, Atomic Habits. I uh, I just wrapped that up this weekend. And uh, I think it was maybe one of the final chapters that he brought up the Jerry Seinfeld thing. And I've known of that thing for years, but yeah, don't break the chain. And I thought about Jerry being, you know, 40, 50 years into this chain where he can't break that chain anymore. That's just like you wake up, you go to the bathroom. That's how this life works. He makes a joke every day and he got himself into that rhythm of it. Yeah. And that's the success. Like there are, you know, plenty of time. There's plenty, there's no time and there's plenty of time because 
you can't you can't start your dreams tomorrow. That's just stupid. But you've got a ton of time today to make one small step towards it. Yeah. And to be okay with that small step and to actually look at those little little wins as celebrations. Like you had said, even, you know, writing out to-do list. I made my to-do list. If that's a win for somebody, yeah, be excited about it. I think some people feel weird about that shit. They're like, nah, that's not good enough. Like, if it's not good enough, then do something else. But if it's good enough, then be okay with it and allow that to be the thing that moves you along. And I think some of that's progress over perfection. Yeah, and some of that might come from, not even some of it. I think most all of it comes from our childhood trauma. The shit that we've been through as kids to be able to set us up for that and set us not not in the best way to be able to set us up to be able to go well fuck that's not good enough because when i was six my dad told me this wasn't good enough and now it stuck with me so it's like getting yourself out of that and i know you've got a younger kid so how do you treat your child differently than you know knowing what you went through when you were younger and who you were how do you kind of parent your kid now uh with that mindset Ooh, that's a Definitely a question to ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a good or a bad one. Just a question. <laughs> it is a neutral. That's a question. That's a question. Um, so for me, I really struggled with this self-identity. Like for some reason, unknown to me, I self-identified as like a loser, slacker, party girl, like really early in my life, like young, young middle school age, even though I was literally none of those things and never have been really. But I identified that way, so I just assumed I was always going to fail. So when I look at my son, I think a big part of the difference in parenting that I see is that I allow him, like, my biggest thing is I'm just going to allow him to feel his feelings, right? There is none of this, like, suck it up, be a man, even though I want to, like, the world is hard, like, toughen up, bro. But it's just, I'm going to allow you like, hey, are you, are you sad? Are you mad? Great, go be mad. But we have one rule. It's that you can be mad, but you can't be mean. And that includes to yourself. Because I don't know where he picked up the self-deprecating habits. He'd be like, yeah, I suck. Like, I'm terrible. I'm a loser. And it's like, whoa, you're eight. You can't have that kind of internal dialogue, man. And I'll tell him, you can't talk about my kid like that. And I'll yell at him, you can't talk about my kid. He's like, but I am, uh, but it's me. I am your kid. What? Do you? And it's like, no, I don't care. You don't get to be mean to somebody I care about, even if that person that I care about is yourself. Wow. That's awesome. So you can be mad, but you can't be mean. Yeah. I really like that you're yelling at the the bad version that's coming out that's talking shit because you can't really be like all right well you see that's just a, some bad thoughts that we need to get through because he's in a, a spot where he's learning and growing yeah exactly but that you can personify it and be like no i'm yelling at that that thing that's not you because at your core that's not you right and then maybe i'll give him schizophrenia later i don't know like we're all trying to fuck up our kids at some point but whatever we just watched moon night so now that's in my head. <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, it, well, it, it's funny you say we all are 
trying to fuck up our kids in some ways. Um, growing up, I thought that my parents were actively doing what they could to fuck with me. Uh, there were moments where I thought about that. And I was like, you guys are just being assholes. Like, what is fucking wrong with you? And then when I got older, I remember having conversations with both parents separately because they were never together. I was basically, you know, they were at a party one night. About a year later, my dad found out like, hey, you got a three month old. He's uh, wandered around. He kind of looks like you. Um, so they, yeah, they had that whole situation. Um, but I, I learned from having conversations with my parents separately in my late 20s, early 30s, that they were just trying to figure themselves out. Like they had no idea. And they were trying to do the best they can. But you can't figure that out and think about that until you're later in life and go, oh, yeah, you know, you're just trying to be a fucking adult. I know now. Got it. Yes. I think that's the moment you become a grown up. The moment that you realize that your parents are just other adults and you as an adult can agree and or disagree with their decision making. That's when you're like, oh, I'm here now. Here's this is adulthood. Welcome. Man, there's some people that are 40, 50 years old and still not adults then because they still look to their parents for certain things. That's an interesting way to be able to put it. My, that's my ex for sure. He, his mom, God, the things that he would tell me that she did that I'm like, I get why your sister disowned her. And he's like, well, no, no. I'm like, ooh, ooh, hey, man, you can make a different choice. Yeah, it takes a decision, it takes a decision. But as you said, with, uh, with that person that helped you make a decision, uh, you're able to look through them and into their situation to then make that decision. Uh, but hey, you got to be responsible yourself, right? Absolutely. Right. I mean, we can hold up all kinds of mirrors and you can get advice and you can listen to amazing podcasts. But unless you completely internalize it, like you're just pretending. I just I don't get that. You're pretending to be bettering your life. You're like going through the motions, but you're half assing self-improvement. I don't know if everybody goes through that, but I want to say most people do. Because I think over the first couple of years of like learning, you're unsure and you're still like, but I still feel like a shitty human or I still feel like I want to do these things or I, whatever. And I think we all still kind of battle stuff and work through addictions and everything else that happens. But you're right. Like you got to put it in action. Um, so on that note, what sort of deep work are you doing right now? And how do you actually take those actions? Like what sort of uh, advice do you give to somebody that you're like, look, the daily, this is kind of what I work through to be able to benefit myself these ways. I think journaling is the number one thing. I get that from my dad. He kept a journal for like the past 30 years. And there's a billion zillion journaling techniques. But just to understand that like to get something out of your body, you got to journal it. And then you have to fill back up. And I've become really sensitive to what kind of media like social media movies books everything that i consume and so it's okay what are you getting out of your body and then what are you putting back in because is that saying a diet doesn't just come down to the food you eat it comes down to the things that you listen to things that you participate in mm -hmm. so yeah it's less about i mean it I could say like, and then I meditate for an hour a day and then I go on a walk and then I do. No, don't, don't lie. I tried that once. I put myself through 30 days of like doing all of the, the it girl, right? I'm, I'm the, 
I'm going to do all the things, wake up at 5 a.m. and drink my lemon water and an hour of meditation. And it, you spend more time like worrying about doing the things than you do reaping benefits from the things. So journal every day. Don't take in garbage mentally, physically, emotionally. And then check, I would say check your inner circle. There's nothing that helps me more than my friends. And I get to proudly say that I have 10 close best friend women and I'm in my 30s. Like I'm basically Jesus. Nobody does that. They say that was Jesus's real miracle is having 12 close personal friends in his 30s. Yeah, one was a douchebag, but you know, whatever. He opened other things up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I have 10 close, like way close female friendships. And I get to talk to them. I mean, I talk to at least one of them every day. We spend time together. But there was there was a experience we had a couple weeks ago where there was like a new girl that came to hang out with us. We were doing crafts. One of my friends, a professional crafter. So we're doing crafts in our professional craft studio. It was very fun and girly. And this new girl was there and was just so blown away by how independently successful and impressive each of the people in the room were and it's like yeah when when you're in it you don't realize but when you come across a group of people who are all just winning it gets intimidating until and when I first met them I was intimidated but then you realize that you attract what you are so look around at the people that are around you are they are they saying that everything happens to them? Are they not taking accountability for their actions? Like change up the people that you talk to every day because those people will fuck with your mindset more than anything else. Oh my God, big time. And I have to have this conversation more than I want to, but those five people do count for your family. Your family fucking counts. Your colleagues at work, they count. And some people forget about that because they're like, oh no, no, it's just, you know, my friends that I maybe talk to once a week. I'm like, well, what about everybody else? They're like, oh, well, there's my wife and there's my in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your wife would maybe matter. And then there's this fucking douchebag at work. And it's like, well, let's talk about these things and why you think that person's a douchebag and like, well, whatever, going through that sort of stuff. Who do you spend the literally the most time with? I, I love to ask at the end of this, what's that one piece of advice you'd give to somebody on their path towards self-mastery? And it sounds like that's it. If there's something else you want to add, but I feel like that's it. Like that's the, the sum of the people you're with. And we've heard this so many times, but fucking get it, people. The people you connect with. Yeah, check your friends. Yeah. Take accountability for your own actions. And your friends don't mean your Facebook friends because not all, all of them are real. No. Well, write a list. Like take, I honestly, the one single piece of takeaway that I wish everyone would do is track things. Track where your time goes. Do you know where you're wasting time? Track who you spend the most time with. Do you even know? Track what you're spending your money on. I bet you you didn't remember that subscription that you forgot to cancel. If you can track more things in your life, if I've learned nothing from this weird, random kind of bullshit job that I have, it's that data drives everything. And if you aren't like trying to calculate data on your own self to make adjustments based on the data, you're doing it wrong. How would you suggest somebody go about that to at least start? Write it down. Right. I would first set a timer 
every hour on the hour and then record what you're doing. And even, and it's going to be embarrassing because you're going to be like, oh, TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Oh, TikTok. <laughs> Shit. But start keeping track. Even if that's just in your journal every morning, how do you feel when you wake up? Track that. Okay, where did I spend my day? Who am I with? Figure out the things that you want to change and then track those things. And I, I think you gave that tangible step of journaling, being able to journal in the morning. There's still a lot of people that have a, <clears throat> have a hard time journaling. I know I fought it for years, years. Like I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it at all. I even blamed my, my handwriting, all of that. And it's not the case. I mean, shit, I was journaling last night for like an hour, hour and a half, also doing some prep for the week and the next half of the year. But I was looking and I was like, man, my handwriting's not atrocious when I give a shit, which is vastly different than I remember bitching, complaining, but I don't want to do it because I was afraid of doing the tracking. So I'm glad that you bring that up because that is a, that is kind of a superpower to be able to track, but also manage your time which is a big thing. And it starts with you doing something that has to do with you pen and paper or pencil and paper. Yeah. Yeah. Tra I track, I started tracking. I realized the power of it when I started doing bodybuilding competitions because I had to track like my sleeping and my macros and e everything. And, and it started bleeding over into other parts. Then I started tracking my, like, my sleep score right on my Apple watch. And then I started tracking like my water. And then I started tracking my time because I needed to fit all this stupid bullshit into my schedule. And then I started tracking my relationships. And now I make, I mean, I'm sorry for anyone that has to date me, but I make a <laughs> sit down and do a three month check-in. All right. We've been dating for three months. Let's do a temp chest. Let's just see where we're at. Let's track our feelings. So sorry, honey. <laughs> <laughs> is that to somebody now or future versions of people that are just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, past, present, future. I'm about to hit the three-month mark with this guy I'm dating. So I'm like, you have no idea what's coming. I'm so sorry. Well, this probably won't air until sometime in August, maybe September. So if he listens to this, it'll be post. <laughs> it'll be done. Perfect. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, man. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate you being on. Um, I, again, I always like to wrap this up with what's that one piece of advice, but you'd already kind of gone into that. Is there anything else that you want to share or leave our audience with? Write it down. Just whatever it is, write it down. I appreciate that. Cool. So tell us where can people uh, find you and connect with you? Find me on LinkedIn because that's where I do all of my work. I am on LinkedIn, first name spelled L-I-A, last name Bliss. I'm on Instagram under Best Leah Bliss and... Yeah, shoot me a message. I love talking to people, so. Awesome, well, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. Awesome, thanks so much. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So, what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts and check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. And check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com. 
as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.